0: I've got to say, I love what this podcast is turning into. It's getting a life of its own, as I always hoped that it would. And this is one of the episodes that epitomizes the big picture element of social emotional learning. We all know that communication, clear, honest, and mutually respectful communication is a foundational element of solid social emotional skills. Today's guest has developed an approach that focuses in on a very specific channel of communication. Consent. Sara Casper will give us an overview of her understanding about the day-to-day, hour-by-hour, year-by-year relevance of consent. We even had a little time for a few deep dives into specific examples of the relevance of this topic, which revolves to different degrees depending on circumstances around cooperation, boundary setting, collaboration, communication, and so much more. I'm really excited for all of us to learn from Sarah Casper, who by nature is a deep thinking, creative, and nurturing woman. Welcome to the Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast. My name is NeNe White, and I am so glad you're here. You will be, too. I am sure of it. So it is my great, uh, very enthusiastic uh, pleasure to invite Sarah Casper to the Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast. Thank you for being here, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me, Nini. When I first learned about you, it was just like, oh, yes, this woman (laughs) must be on this podcast, because this is the kind of uh, getting in the weeds, as they say, about, Mm -hmm. maybe that's not such a good analogy, um, about, you know, the details, really fine, important, life-altering details about real social-emotional development and skills. So, you are all about comprehensive consent yes I that talk. is me <laughs> <laughs> okay. all i
1: talk about all day is consent.
0: Ooh, that's <laughs> fantastic so consent is a fundamental social emotional topic and yet we barely hear about it so tell us why you have prioritized consent as your contribution To the well-being of young children and tweens and teens and adults.
1: Sure. So, um, the where it came from is an interesting story because uh, it actually the idea first uh, little nugget of the idea came through acrobatic yoga, which is a kind of um, yoga or acrobatic practice that I do, which includes partners. So, think Cirque du Soleil, but I'm not. I'm not quite there yet, <laughs> but, there is, but there is a lot of people's feet on other people's bodies and arms lifting up other people. And so there needs to be a lot of communication about the body. And this was the first place um, outside of sex where I ever was taught to, or was ever told that there has to be a deliberate conversation about this.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and thankfully, most teachers in the acro or acro yoga world are really great at talking about consent before any of their classes. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, the class is for acrobatics and not for consent. So it's brief, but there is a reminder and there is an awareness within the room um, about no means no, down means down, um, checking in and so on and so forth. And, as a, and when I started, I started acrobatic practice in 2017, so this was right during, like, during the time of the Me Too movement, and slowly the idea was building for me that this idea of talking about the body and communicating boundaries and interests and um, limitations is, a, as you said, a fundamental skill. It's not... Um, it's not something that we just know how to do or we just do automatically. And so I started to think about being that my background um, is in psychology and working with children, you, more in the um, psychology and therapeutic setting. Um, I kind of took what I know, knew from there and took what I knew from acrobatic yoga. I'm also a kids yoga teacher, so that helped too. And I started to create ways where I could take what I had learned about consent from my acrobatic practices and from being involved in a practice that is so heavily based on touch and create games and activities and questions that can help children learn the skills that they need for all kinds of touch interactions be it a high five from a friend to maybe an acrobatic yoga practice, to kissing grandma when they say goodbye, to in the future, um, sex.
0: Right. And uh, very clear explanation. One thing that uh, I almost interrupted you for, but I really wanted to hear your definition without me interrupting, was uh, that sometimes you said something about it's. It's we need more instruction that we also. There was something that you said, darn it, it's not quite coming to me, but about. It's not something we know automatically? Say it again. That
1: that it wasn't, it's not something we know automatically.
0: No, and it's, (laughs) that's exactly it. And that's exactly it. And what some of us automatically do is just say yes when we don't just say yes. And I'm sure you address that as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's the idea right now I talk about as how consent is a result and it's also a process. So we're very aware, right, I would say the, the people who are pro-consent and not in favor of things like rape culture um, or, you know, see that rape culture exists, um, those people are pretty aware of what consent looks like as a result. It kind of reminds me of that famous line of um, pornography, like, I know it when I see it. Like, we know what's not consent when we see it. Right. However... Do you also know how to do consent, how to ask a good question, how to respond when maybe there are power structures at play or respond when when you like the person? Because saying no to someone you like is really hard. Do you know how to deal with a rejection? Um, All of those pieces aren't automatic. We can spot when something doesn't look right. But I think, as a society we're still we still need a lot of work on correcting for how to how to as I say, be good at consent
0: mm-hmm. and also i mean i I do appreciate and respect the fact that this is this is something that starts with children and and then leads to their their personal power to say yes when they want to and no when they want to, yes, but, but also. People like me, who you know well into my adult life, had to learn how to say no to um, invitations to volunteer all of my time and energy <laughs> to things, so consent is something that we live with across the board, right absolutely right,
1: yeah, like that, yeah, I definitely have what do they call it a pushover right yeah. that that idea of like i don't i i don't know where I'm supposed to set boundaries and if i even know where I'm supposed to, do I know how to, these are all, and that's what SEL um, gets at a little bit for sure. But um, I think when it comes, if you can learn to talk about your body, which for so long has been, um, you know, told that it's bad and should look a certain way and should be a certain way, if you Mm -hmm. can start to talk about your body and be empowered about your body, I think that like, that it yeah, it just comes out in all those other places, so you can say no to volunteering and mm-hmm. and feel empowered in doing so, and not like you're mean for doing so
0: exactly exactly um, so so then that leads into this question about how consent has got all these tracks in our life. Do you want to unpack any of that for us now sure i'd be I'd
1: be curious to hear where when I say consent, if we're not talking about touch, where does, where does it come up for you? I mean, you mentioned like saying no to volunteering, but, but like, where else are you thinking that this could come, come up?
0: Uh, wow. Um, oh, that, that gets kind of <laughs> personal actually, you oh, know, okay. and, sure. and I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Sure, that's
1: totally fine. I can, I mean, cause I think um,
0: I, I'm not declining the invitation. It's just like, woo, you know, it's yeah. just interesting to see that, you know. Oh, um, I've been, some people want to have a birthday party for me. And do I want to have that, you know? And it's just like, how do I balance my feelings for what is it I want for my birthday? And what is it they want to give me? And and just, you know, traversing all of that. That's just one tiny example, though.
1: And yet. But that, but that happens everywhere. I know for me, it comes up with my parents about, you know, they love me, they love me unconditionally, they have provided the world for me, and can I put my boundaries down? Am I allowed to? How do I do it kindly? Mm -hmm. So I know for me, it comes up there. I think for a lot of people, it comes up with. I think this crosses over to both of our examples in terms of like love languages, Mm -hmm. of like if someone wants to show you love in a way where. It doesn't feel like love to you. Like you might have to set a boundary. Like when you give me, right, physical touch is one of them, but also like acts of service. I don't know. Are you familiar with love languages?
0: Oh, the five languages? Yeah,
1: the five love languages.
0: Uh, I don't have them memorized, but I'm familiar with Go ahead and tell us about them.
1: Sure. Just that the love languages, there are five of them.
0: Um, Physical touch, words of
1: affirmation, um, gifts, quality time, and acts of service. And I know for me, sometimes people want to show me love through acts of service, but to me, acts of service is, I'm almost like, I can do it myself. Like, don't pick up my drugs thing. I can do it myself. And so it's, it's also a boundary that you have to set or not even, it's a boundary you have to set or a conversation to be had. It's, it's, that's what's a, that's what I really like to teach in this um, when it comes to boundary setting and consent, is that it's an empowering thing? It doesn't close doors; it opens them, mm-hmm. because when you can talk about what you don't like, and as you said, you can also talk mm-hmm. about what you do like. Mm-hmm. Um, does that does that answer your initial question of where where else this comes up?
0: Yes, and and probably I I don't quite remember what I was thinking when I had that question, but I I think so basically. Um, um, maybe. I was really wowed by your point about normalizing rejection when I was reading through some of your materials. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think how many of us are, don't want to be rejected. (laughs) So, but to, I guess when you're saying normalizing rejection as some of your, uh, the way that you help people to grow this whole dimension of their lives is to make it, you know, if I, prepare someone to be rejected. So anyway, uh, uh, give us some more of your wisdom on this topic. Sure.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Rejection is such a hard topic um, Mm -hmm. because it really, it cuts down to the ego there of what is my worth and am I loved? And those are like some deep questions that go, that yeah, can bring up a lot of stuff whether you're aware of it or not. And so I think part of, um, again, like part of what makes it comprehensive consent is it's not a just about asking first or owning your no. It's about what do you do when you receive the no? Because when you receive the no, one option is to, is to try to, you know, convince someone. And again, this maybe isn't done with, with malice. Like sometimes you're just like, oh, it would make me so happy though. And this, is, you know, and and not in. And you're not trying to be manipulative, but that kind of is manipulation. Mm-hmm. You're trying to guilt them into it, or you're not trying to, but you are. You are guilting them into it, mm-hmm. perhaps. Um, and so, I think it, it's consent is so much bigger, and that that piece of rejection needs to be talked about because we don't want that coercion happening or some kind of like persuading through logic about why they should. Go ahead with it, and we also don't want the person getting mad. Right. Even if they're like, like, fine, I don't want to, I don't want to kiss you anymore either. Like, that's also not an appropriate way to handle rejection. So, I think they're, I think it's a real skill to be able to notice that you're feeling upset, and you can, in terms of rejection, sadness, anger, all valid emotions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But how do you a handle rejection in terms of when you're still with that person who you heard the no from? And this could be in terms of touch or it could be in the future in terms of like a job interview or something. And then what do you do after, once you've left the room? What are some coping strategies? So I think, uh, I don't know, I, I don't see that we talk about handling that rejection enough when it comes to consent. And I think there needs to be a distinction between how you handle it in front of the person to make sure that your, your sadness isn't, inadvertently persuading them
0: A um,
1: yeah 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 exactly or if you know you don't have the choice to walk away just be like I'm crying and I don't want you to change your mind because of that <laughs> like th- you know like t- to own that rejection and be like I'm okay I am just sad and you are correct to tell me no <laughs>
0: um yeah yeah, I, I feel liberated just in the theoretical uh, <laughs> that you've shared with us. But what I'd, I'd love, if you could, uh, you know, give us an example of maybe two six-year-olds interacting, one wants something, the other uh, says no, and how the six-year-old, how you would coach a six-year-old, and then maybe give us a middle schooler, and then maybe give us an adult, or whatever one of those you want to give us some concrete examples of.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as, as much as possible, I would also try to teach the skills outside the moment. Um, So you can always kind of refer back to it, but in the moment, um, it would be a, how are you feeling right now? How does it make you feel that they said no to sharing their toy? Do you have toys that you don't like to share? What can you say to them that expresses how you feel and doesn't make them feel bad? um, what, what would you like to do instead? Or what, how would you like to, can you think of an appropriate, uh, I wouldn't use the word appropriate. Can you think of a way to express your anger or sadness or whatever it is and help them problem solve and cope? Or also ask them, do you just want to sit here and be sad? That's also valid. Um, so kind of coaching them through that, like this emotion exists. And it is valid, and there no exists, then it is valid too. Um, so that was that would probably be for a, like a younger child. Mm-hmm. Um, for an older child, I'm trying to think. I'm like I'm like I was like picturing like a, a real toy for a six year old, and, and now for like middle schoolers, I'm like oh, it's probably a phone or a video game or something, uh-huh, <laughs> something uh-huh. virtual. They don't. I feel like I have you know some eight year, an eight year old uh, nephew, and he does not. He does not do toys so much anymore. Um, <laughs> right. But I think it would be this the uh, a similar a similar concept, but not so much in that um um kindergarten teacher voice, which I definitely put on sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um I think it would also um it also depends on what they say. I've heard kids say things like, um, like I wouldn't I I would let I would share my toy. Like I would do that, so why can't he? And I think that's where it gets tricky um, when we tell people um, just put yourself in their shoes. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Because that could work that, that, that might solve it. And that's not a bad idea. Um, But it's also important to remember that you, just because you wouldn't mind doing something doesn't mind, doesn't mean that someone else wouldn't mind doing that. And so I'll usually give them example from my, from my life, I'll think of something weird or that I like to eat or, you know, a a strange activity I like to do. And I'll be like, I like to do this. Would would you want to do this? Um, And then start to get their brain again, thinking about how we all come with different perspectives. And those should all be like, those, those should all be honored. And then again, work on coping skills or, Um, if it's about something like a video game I think there's more room for or toy I think there's more room for problem solving in terms of um, possibly turn taking you know when it's done they can have it but in terms of touch um, not really the only thing I might say is if they're established friends I might coach them to say is it okay if I ask you again later Mm. because I think that's also I think that's where and again like that consent piece that's not really talked about. I haven't quite figured out the right word for it. It's not negotiation I don't like as a, as a word. It sounds a little too like battlefields, like war time win winning. Lose. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It sounds too much win-lose to me. Yeah. But there's that piece where you can like, okay, you can't play with this toy, but you can play with this toy instead. Or I don't want to hug you, but I'll give you a high five.
0: Mm-hmm. That
1: That piece. And so I think another addition to that list is okay here you don't want to hug now is it okay if I ask you later mm-hmm. um and then you again have that and someone might say no and you're like okay cool like I see they really want to be left alone mm-hmm. or you can see that oh it's just in this particular moment um and they might actually be open to it later mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um okay. and then in terms Oh, in terms of high schoolers, honestly, that is the I work mostly with um like five to fifteen year olds. Okay. With um with high schoolers, it would be I would have a really hard time coaching them in the moment. Yeah. But again, honestly, it's these strategies work all the way up to adulthood. Of course. Like that's it's it's just a matter of changing the tone of voice and examples, perhaps. Um yeah. And I always, I I also, I really like to use, um, I like for them to really, like, feel it in the body. Like, I use mindfulness a lot. So mm-hmm. if someone's insistent of, like, it's just a hug, why do they care?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I'll ask, them, I'll be like, so you wouldn't care if I was, like, if I just hugged you? Mm-hmm. And then they're like, uh oh oh, cause I'm right there in front of them. It's very visceral and they don't know me. And like, and so it, it starts again, like getting them feeling what they're uh-huh. feeling in their body, uh-huh. um, I think can, can make a huge difference.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. Empathy. That's developing empathy, just more awareness mm. about, yeah. Other people's wow. perspectives. So important <laughs> yeah. and you can't teach it. It has to be an experience. <sighs> oh, 100% yes, yes. And
1: that's a. oh my God, this is, I, I, talk, I, talk, I talk about content all day, but it's so true. It's right. It's, it's if you're not, if it's not an experience, mm-hmm. you don't, your body doesn't uh, remember it the same way. Mm-hmm. And that's why with what I teach, I teach like, again, like skills. So you're practicing the skill of handling rejection, you're practicing the skill of, you know, asking, A really specific question because until you do it you don't know you're just guessing what it's like Mm -hmm. to do it Mm
0: -hmm. and then you know the word respect uh, Mm -hmm. self-respect and mutual respect though that whole triumvirate comes up for me because that's really what we're uh, one core element that we're getting to is you know I I honor myself. I honor you. I honor our relationship, but that's my words. So does that fit into your model here that you're, you're revealing for us?
1: Yeah. The, the, the word self respect is not a word that I use a lot. It has, Mm -hmm. it carries uh, a lot of baggage for me just in terms of um, I know growing up, I heard things like no self-respecting woman would do that. No self-respecting girl gets tattoos or piercings or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, unfortunately, that uh, that uh, term has uh, has lost, I think, its true meaning. I do like mutual respect. I do like mutual respect of what does it mean for you to respect yourself and respect another person Mm -hmm. I actually haven't used that but I might I'm if Nini if it's okay with you I might uh I might grab that
0: (laughs) I actually didn't invent it I just when I hear it I love it because I am all about win-win you know and I yes you Mm -hmm. know in this world right now we seem to have a whole lot of the mentality that there has to be winners and losers and you know this planet ain't going to survive with that mentality going on so mutual respect I think, is. We all have to, to get that one, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. And I think that mutual respect in terms in terms of consent can really be so powerful in helping someone own their boundaries and mm-hmm. having that self-respect mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and also respecting uh, the boundaries of someone else.
0: Yeah. I, I appreciate, too, what you were saying because that term self-respect, the way the examples that you gave, it did mm-hmm. get a very, it got a what is it when some group owns a phrase when it and it takes away the original meaning there's some word for that that I've been trying oh to- see
1: I was gonna say a bastardization of the word but that's not a great <laughs> term either so I, I paused <laughs> but now that we're talking about it that is the word that came to my mind yeah um, but like uh yeah they've like reclaimed it kind of, like people have reclaimed it to use it for for negative purposes yeah I think. Yeah, yeah to take they- away body autonomy and to to tell to put people to draw people in certain
0: lines yeah yeah and it's not okay because to to feel self-trust and self-respect which I put those two right together um any person is going to make any child any adult any in between is going to make uh choices and decisions that that uh have the greater balance uh in included in their choices and their decisions, it seems to me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? Because like when you're too much about yourself or you're too much about other people, neither of those are good. But when there's self-respect and mutual respect, then we have then we can then we can go forward. You know oh, what a gem. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yep. I really could not have said that better myself. It's so oh. true. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well I just I have I have deep love for what you're doing. I, um, I would imagine that reading body language and facial expressions might have something to do with your instructions for uh, the people who come to you to learn.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. We talk a lot about nonverbal communication. It's, okay. it's, it's a huge part of, you know, any interpersonal interaction.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I have taught social-emotional learning many, many years. Um, I don't go in the classroom anymore. But one of the things that I loved was that I would test kids on how much body language they could read, even the little kids. They mm-hmm. got it every single time, even the yeah. subtle stuff. But do you want to give some examples of what you've uh, discovered with kids and their knowledge and their awareness? And-
1: yeah, okay. I think I think when kids hear body language off the bat, That's Mm -hmm. a a confusing term, Mm -hmm. but if you frame it as what um, I love, my favorite example that I use is imagine two people playing catch, you know, um, Martin has the ball and wants to throw it to Rosa. What, what will Rosa be doing with her body to show Martin that she's ready? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Right. And all the kids know exactly what that means.
0: Mm
1: But if I say, um, "What should Rose's body language be when she's ready to catch the ball?" That's like a little—you know—seven-year-olds will get that, but mm-hmm. like the four-year-olds won't. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's about starting. So I usually start from a place that doesn't have to necessarily do with consent, and then it's okay. And what might it might mean? What might it mean if I'm looking away while you're talking to me? What might it mean if, um, and then going through those examples. And one of, um, and I love that when they have so many different answers, because that's exactly the point is that, um, sometimes looking away means you're nervous. Sometimes it means you're anxious and you have something on your mind. Sometimes it means you're sad. Sometimes it could have so many different meanings, which Mm -hmm. is why nonverbal language is important. And it also is a great, um, prompt to maybe ask something verbally so I notice you're looking away do you have something else on your mind Uh like are you okay with what's happening right now Uh or like and speaking to and this also helps with um not defensiveness of like oh you don't want to hug me right now it's like it's you're making an actual observation saying I see your head is turned away what can you tell me about that as opposed to you're looking away so you don't like me um, and so I really like that piece of nonverbal communication. Then I also talk a lot about the difference between, um, body signs and body language,
0: mm.
1: which is, um, that a thumbs up or like a, a vigorous nodding of the head, mm. those can absolutely be good consent because you're not in, at least in the States where a thumbs up means like a, a yes, mm. um, is widely accepted as a yes, you know, um, you're not doing that by accident. A smile though, that can't be a yes. Mm-hmm. Because a smile has so many meanings and it's unintentional.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Vigorous nod, thumbs up, not intentional. So there's also the discussion about um and because there's a whole community of people who who only sign and don't have verbals and they can absolutely give consent. So it's not about only verbal and nonverbal, but it's about intentional and unintentional. Yeah. How There's a long lot. Have yeah. you been,
0: how long have you been working about on this and thinking about this once you <laughs> tr- translated from the uh, acrobatic yoga to this?
1: Yeah. So I have been working. So I would say about a year and a half ago, I started working on a workshop that specifically was about acro yoga and consent. Mm-hmm. And for the past year and a half, that has slowly turned into a way more accessible, way more comprehensive um, uh, way of thinking about touch and about this interpersonal interaction these interpersonal interactions um, and but comprehensive consent launched as as a company only three months ago i did I did two yeah i did i did i did a I did two workshops. Before the pandemic, not just as just as me as an as an individual who's, you know, a yoga teacher and has this idea about a consent workshop. But um, but as you know, as officially launching to provide information to kids of all ages in different ways and to parents and to teachers, that's only that's that's super new. But I've been thinking about it, but it's been heavily on my mind for a year and a half.
0: Oh, I think it's been boiling in you a lot longer than that. (laughs) No, because your insights are so profound and and really, they're universal and they're just, who wouldn't, who wouldn't feel the truth of them? Um, I I wonder, and also I'm sure uh, this is completely a sidetrack, but um, like in different countries, the thumbs up could be something not Wonderful. I'm sure you're aware of that, right? Yes.
1: Yep. Exactly. And right. And that's why I, make, I always make sure to say, like, in the states, yeah. right? Or like, or like, I was in India for seven weeks, and like, there are different kinds of head nods and head bobs yeah. Yeah. that mean different things. And unless you're part of that culture, you are not going to interpret them correctly necessarily. Yeah. Yep. 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 Having that cultural competence in in this too is yeah is so important for interpersonal interactions, and especially about touch. I also um I I grew up a a modern Orthodox Jew. And so there were rules, there are many rules about men and women touching. And so it's, it's really interesting for me to, to see the way that um, that culture and different backgrounds play into this conversation. Mm
0: -hmm. And, you know, I guess some people could think of that as like, oh God, it's too complicated. No, it's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. not all be one same, you know, channel, please. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, Yep. I want to. I always like to learn. Yeah, when someone teaches me something new about, um, I remember someone was. I, I had a whole conversation with someone also about like uh, children with autism, mm-hmm. and how they and how thinking about touch in relation to that population. And how that has different considerations or people mm. with ADHD who might be impulsive. Mm. And so it's not that they're bad for touching impulsively, mm. but how do they then make it better? Cause that's the thing. Consent is a practice. It's not a perfect mm. you. I am a consent educator. I talk about consent all day long and I still sometimes find myself being like, Oh, sorry. I like, it was that okay that I did that mm. or checking in with like, I know, you know, I know we we hug every time we see each other but like are hugs something you like mm-hmm. you know um it's yeah it's an it's an ongoing thing and there are so many different um with any interpersonal reaction there's so many we all come with our own stuff and so there's so many things to be considered so it's just it's about being aware building skills
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh and doing our best
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And having that intention to do our best, just that's what you said, but yes, just like, yeah, sometimes we won't do our best, but to have Mm -hmm. that intention and and self-correct and acknowledge when, oops, okay, backtrack, Uh, (laughs) fix that. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you, of course, this would have to have a mindfulness piece. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, So uh, I wonder when you're working with, kids or working with parents I want to hear come on don't be shy tell us what (laughs) some people have said to you about uh express their gratitude what have they said um you know (laughs) they they've I will
1: I will actually lead with the uh most complicated compliment I've I've received Mm -hmm which is that it is, especially with younger kids, it, um, parents, when they start to ask first, they are thankful that they did because they start to realize how much their kids sometimes don't want to be touched. And so they are very grateful that they now, that their kids now have a way to start speaking up about that. Mm-hmm. And it's also really hard for parents to then not get that hug. And so there's a lot of frustration there. I was like, I just want, he's so cute. I just want to give him a hug. She's so sweet. They're amazing. Oh, I could just pinch their cheeks right now. Yeah. Um, and that it's both really, it, it's hard. It's both really frustrating. And that's again, that valid emotion of handling rejection of like, it's really frustrating. Yeah. Um, I, and I have it too. I do, I mean, with the kids I work with. Um, and again, like I'm a kids yoga teacher. I've worked with kids for forever. Sometimes when they don't want to hug me, I'm I'm like, ooh, mm-hmm. that hurt. Like <laughs> I have so much love to express yeah. and I just, oh, you don't want it. Yeah. Um and so it's it's like that com- again, like that complimented complicated compliment mm. because they are so glad that their child is setting their boundaries and mm. it's and it's at the same time um frustrating that it's not always the answer that you want, and they start to see their t- child as this like autonomous being, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but not always, not always
0: the answer we want even,
1: you know, oh, as that adults. Is, <laughs>
0: that's so beautiful, that is so beautiful, my God. For a kid to be able to be growing up being uh, his own self, right, from an early age. <sighs> mm-hmm. Ooh.
1: And it becomes the norm now they expect yes. people to ask first. Exactly. exactly. And you know, kids yes. are not shy. They'll be like, why didn't you ask me first? Right. And that's what I want. That's the that's the
0: dream. That's, oh <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's why I so much wanted to have this conversation with you and share it with yeah. the listeners because that's the vision we want to to awaken in all of us. That that's what that's what people need from their very earliest years so that we can have a, a world that isn't pushed around by these bully politicians and bully companies <laughs> selling things to us and, you know, bully doctors that tell us you have to do this and you have, let's, well, let yeah. me see, does that feel, yeah. I mean, where would you, what would you say on all those topics? My little rant just there.
1: <laughs> Ooh, oh, you just brought up two big things for me. The first was the idea uh, was um, just because of politicians, I'm thinking like TV and Twitter. Yeah. Um, and so just the idea of media literacy when it comes to consent. Yes. So being, when you're watching, especially like, I mean, even current TV shows, but especially older TV shows or movies, being able to be, to, you're know, just watching of like oh do you think they did that right you know what what, what would you have done differently would you have asked first because there are so many i mean you know i'm a i'm a guilty of being a fan of rom-coms and there are so many problematic yeah. moments in rom-coms where a man is just grabbing a woman yeah. um and Ugh. and that's seen as romantic and um the the end-all be-all that's what you want as a woman yeah um And so I think there's a lot of media or even I actually just had a post the other day about the pout pout fish. Are you familiar with this book? Mm -mm. Um, It's, 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 it's a a cute book and it's beautifully illustrated, but the idea is that there's this very sad fish who can't, who just can't cheer up. He keeps on doing this negative self-talk of that's just how I am. Mm -hmm. And how uh, he gets out of that is that a beautiful fish comes out of nowhere. He doesn't know her. And she just kisses him and then swims away. And now he's happy. She doesn't ask. Um, She doesn't check in with how, if that was okay after. Um, And so I think the idea is that touch can be healing. And so I love that part of it. And I love the the idea of like negative self-talk can change. But that element of it is just like, we need to do some media literacy around that of touch is great. When you ask first, and it is wanted, right. so um, so that was one place my mind went when you uh, were talking about that. And the second place that probably uh, relates more um, is the idea of this is what is that of a lot of messages of this is what you should do, and this is what you should be. And I wish I could tell you who told me it, but there's this phrase: uh, "Don't should yourself." <laughs> Which have you heard this before? Uh-uh. Don't should yourself. Stop. Stop shedding yourself which is just funny because yeah doesn't sound it doesn't sound all that great but it's the idea of like should is a um it's not a real thing it's based on what someone else thinks oh. so instead of talking about shoulds with kids of like you should dress a certain way you should behave a certain way it's about um con- like natural consequences of when you sit like that i can see up your skirt yeah <laughs> like that's that's what the that's what is the thing so it's not you should sit that way but you know you when this happens this other thing happens or um you know you should eat healthy N- no when you when you eat you know all the colors in the rainbow you'll feel a lot stronger mm-hmm and then you make the decision, it's empowering that decision-making piece of of you making your own decisions, as opposed to other people making decisions for you, I talk a lot actually in consent about like those slight language changes, um, in terms of like I statements, in terms of shoulds, in terms of saying and instead of saying but, um, those are all really important pieces when you're getting messages from so many places of questioning, is that, someone said that's what I should do what will happen if I do that what will happen if I don't do that or what might happen if I do that what might happen if I don't do that
0: that gets in those whole thinking skills then which we we need to see more of too in this world Please. Mm-hmm. yeah Ooh, <laughs> so um, oh I wish my kids were little I wish I was little and I could come to you for your classes uh, Where? so you have a website Comprehensiveconsent.com. Yep. Yeah, I
1: can be. So, ahead. Oh, I can be found at ComprehensiveConsent.com, and I am very active on Instagram at ComprehensiveConsent, spelled with all the correct letters. Okay. <laughs> you, I feel like you always have to point that out because sometimes, you know, it's a zero instead of an O right, or a right. whatever. Right. Um, and I also have a, um, we didn't talk about this much, but there's, um, I really believe also in not that just like I come in for a one time, one hour workshop and that's it. I think this is an ongoing, like all of SCL, it's an ongoing process. Yeah. It needs to be scaled. It needs to be continuous. It needs to be reinforced. Yeah. So I've created boundary setting bootcamp, which is a course for parents to learn how to develop these skills in their children. Um, all with like fun games every every um, lesson uh, it's twelve. I, I lesson in quotes it's all fun it's 12 lessons they all start with a mindfulness activity they have discussion questions um, so that um, with weekly things to keep in mind as they go through the course um, so they can help develop these skills in their children so um that's beyond, an online
0: course obviously. That's
1: an online course and that's 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 there. It's you go at your own pace. Um I recommend, you know, one lesson a week, but you go at your own pace. And then I also have webinars here and there that pop up, but that that boundary setting bootcamp is is there to stay.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. This is really important. Really important. Um anything else you want to share with us?
1: Just thank you so much for for <laughs> having me on and letting me share, ta- like ramble on about consent because uh, <laughs> it really is. I think it's so crucial for creating a safer world, a healthier world, more empowered children. I think you know we talked about how it expands out into life, um, and so I'm just I'm just very grateful right now.
0: Oh my God, I am so grateful for what you're doing. Stay very very well eat well, get good rest. <laughs> you take care of yourself, Sarah. We need All right. you. All right, yeah, <laughs> it was great to chat. <laughs> you too. It's I hope good. we talk again soon sometime. <laughs> Bye.
1: Bye.
0: So there you have it. Much to think about, eh? Would you like to learn more about Sara's insights and contributions? Check out her website, comprehensiveconsent.com, and her Instagram page, also called Comprehensive Consent. Both of them are filled with tiny treasures of wisdom that will easily find their way into your life. Now, do you have any questions, any comments, any other topics you'd like me to find guests to share their insights uh, with us? let me know. I love to hear from listeners and learn from you. Another thing I love is when people take a couple of minutes to rate this podcast with stars and write a kind comment. Even a few words will make this podcast more visible for everyone's benefit. Okay, thank you so much. Till next time, let's keep stretching to live more and more of the big picture.